And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also, Mike, somehow, someway, after all the food, is here, <laughs> making it to the microphone for round two of Also Mike Eats Manhattan, Michael. I just rolled my way over. <laughs> like the girl from uh, Willy Wonka. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> what's her name? Oh my God. Veruca Not- Salt, was Veruca that Veruca Salt, because she became a, a terrific early 90s band yes yes uh, and and what i believe a arc. stage name uh, i believe that's true yeah stage name for somebody who i really enjoyed and now i can't re- i can't picture her face but i don't think that's is it the girl from the craft yes yes i, I was going to say wasn't she the name of the girl from the craft so it's, so- it's definitely something to do with that character from the craft wow. or that actress look at us our brains yeah. are working at the beginning of episodes so this is a good thing <laughs> which is probably the time when i should review my nine movies and uh, we'll let your brain review your four movies at the end because we're going to kind of bookend with a bunch of reviews today but yeah man i always appreciate you hanging in here for these episodes for me because i'm just going to be like telling my travel tales i just my- feel like jane goodall nowadays <laughs> <laughs> like after li- listening to you on your first excursion into NYFF and like all that you ate and saw, I just like I, I watch you with wonder now. I'm curious to see. I got some texts from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was giving a li- getting a little play by play about what was delicious and what was good this time around. So I'm just I'm living amongst the apes right now and just trying to learn <laughs> your way of life. I uh, I definitely played it pretty well. I, I played it pretty well. I'm proud of myself. I picked some good movies and I picked some good restaurants. So, yeah, I mean, we could dive in with like an uh, appetizer because I went to see Strange Way of Life on Monday night. And I just went to see this in Danbury at the AMC because this was playing like very quickly after it was at the New York Film Festival. So I might as well. When did it. you know this existed? Pedro Almodovar and me go way back. I would have yeah. you know. And it showed up he on my. You? It showed up. It showed up on my a- AMC A list after he called oh, okay. me, and he's like, okay. "Listen, I have a melodrama. It's my newest one. Uh, I know that you didn't want to give me the five minute standing ovation for Parallel Mothers. You thought it deserved four, so I want to redeem myself." And, and I said, "You know what? Fine, I'll, I'll go. I'm, but I'm not staying for the Human Voice. I've already seen the Human Voice with Tilda Swinton." Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, so I, I watched Strange Way of Life, Pedro Pascal, Ethan Hawke, great characters, a mode of our dialogue. I mean, yes, this is a bit melodramatic, a bit stretched and strained, but I just love the trademark Almodovar touches with uh, the big, sweeping, emotional, romantic, uh, you know, flourishes that he always has. And it's it feels like a so, a really good soap opera, Mike. Every single one of his movies feels like a really good soap opera, and. Yeah, it's it's a little weird going from romance to, you know, life and death shootout situations because everybody everybody talked about this 37 minute short as the first act of a really good movie. I felt right. like it was the first two scenes and then the last scene of a really good movie. Okay. So that was like frustrating. However, I mean, I'm in for it all day. I mean, these are great scenes. And uh, it's about two cowboys. One's a sheriff, and they, you know, they were they had a relationship years ago, 
and 25 years flash forward in the future, Pedro Pascal's son is wanted for murder and Ethan Hawke is trying to, you know, apprehend him as the sheriff. And they just so happen to reconnect right then. So, I mean, it, it's a juicy premise and it, and it really worked. It's just like the beginning and the ending of a movie. And yeah, so I called Pedro and I told him that and I was like, right. I was like, listen, and you know, I would give it a three and a half minute standing ovation. But I, I have to say this, like I had no qualms going to Danbury, sitting for a 37 minute movie, leaving happily and get it going home. I mean, it was a nice little Monday night. I had no problems with that. They should do this more often. The uh, the trailer looks absurd. Uh, it looks absolutely ridiculous. It looks like a, a farcical of a, of a soap opera. Um, and. What's funny about it is on IMDb, if you go on to Strange Way of Life on the page, the trailer mm-hmm. starts playing automatically. And it is an intense trailer. It's a lot of gun pointing, a lot of shootouts, a lot of like so it's most orgy, of the last scene. Yeah. Orgy in the, uh, okay. the the wine that's pouring down, it looks like. <laughs> Just an all-male orgy. A lot of dudes kissing. And then at the end of the trailer, once it goes to black on IMDb, the screen pops up that says this video is not intended for all audiences. Enter your birthday. So you see it, and then it says it's age-restricted. <laughs> Do you think Pedro would even look at me in real life? I don't think so. Just he would... <laughs> anyway. Depends on what you were eating at the time. That's right. Maybe maybe he would yeah. if he saw what I ate. Anyway, I wish I ate anything from the taste of things, Michael. This was my first film on Saturday. First of four. First of eight on my New York Film Festival weekend. Alice Tully Hall, 1130. I struggled getting up in the morning because i was working all night with the kids and you know because with the game at at night and it was a late one Mm -hmm. and you know i I basically wandered in i had like mcdonald's burritos early early in the morning before my train (laughs) which was terrible Uh, and terribly delicious but fine mcdonald's serves burritos still yeah they have the little egg and uh sausage burritos Interesting. So okay. Those are easy. They're quick. They're not like yeah. terrible for you. So did that with a coffee and, you know, I'm heading into the taste of things. I'm like, you better be delicious looking. Otherwise, I'm going to be <laughs> furious. And I've never been more jealous of characters in a movie in my entire life. <laughs> they are cooking and eating and savoring delicious food for nearly the entire runtime of the taste of things. Wow. Uh, of course, I was going to love this. I mean, you throw in the audience experiencing this in real time to audible levels, like 1,100 people at Alice Tully Hall, ooing and eyeing, someone, like someone was loudly moaning. <laughs> that was me. I was moaning <laughs> in ecstasy for a few hours. There is, there's just no way that actually happened. 1,100 people were ooing and aahing about food on a screen. They, this I, definitely happened in your mind. I heard, I heard, I heard like Midsommar sex scene levels. <laughs> Of ooing and eyeing, but I think in real life it was probably a little more muted than that. <laughs> okay, good. But you're right. I think uh, I think it, 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 I think my mind was playing tricks. Uh-huh. I just I just love a movie <laughs> that shows me how they make the food, and, and and then the number of dishes. By the way, the number of delicious dishes that we get to watch people eat is my favorite thing. Like this is. This has got to be the greatest food film since Chef, but since Big Night. I mean, since it's got to go down as one of the greatest all-time food films. 
I mean, the menu was good, but it was twisted, so you can't enjoy it as much. This is just like it's a it's a Fifi movie. It's a mom movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's set in the most beautiful, you know, French town slash mansions. Like these people live the greatest existence in the history <laughs> of mankind. We talk about ourselves as taking such principled stands for like progress and socio, you know, social justice and all this stuff. No, screw all and, that. I want to live all in it this takes- movie. <laughs> All it takes is for France to put forward something with like some roast duck in it, <laughs> and it all comes unraveling. You know, like a single have, thread on a sweater. You have no idea. I would, I would sign up for Napoleon's army if I was able to eat any of this stuff. <laughs> Forget the revolution. Like if you could live this. No, I mean seriously, seriously. The taste. If you could live this way, oh, just ecstasy. So what? What was the meal after watching this? So I, I did go to uh, Emmy Squared. I, I went to Emmy Squared, and I started to kind of just put, you know, Juliette Binoche, like, first in my best actress rankings. <laughs> and I'll put this movie, like, this is an A. This feels like an A. This has got to be an A, right? And then I'm thinking back to, like, you know, what this movie actually is, and, like, there, there's a swerve, and, you know, but, all right, maybe there's some issues. Oppenheimer took half a decade to make these people cook the pot of boiling water. <laughs> I'm at Emmy Squared, and I'm watching, I mean, I'm eating these Sriracha Ranch cashew wings, which are delicious, and they're oh. double-winged, uh, and, and it's just, those are, that was worth the price of admission. I wanted to do, like, $10 cucumbers with like something i was just cucumbers for ten dollars i love cucumbers i was going to do that but they didn't have them they didn't just have them so that was like a bummer i don't know what those were those look those look fantastic or they read that way but i was there to get the the burger the second best you know matt and emily burger because we went to emily down in the west village last week and i don't know if you you remember this but i talked for like 10 minutes about that burger (laughs) it rings a bell yeah (laughs) the emmy double stacked (laughs) so this was supposed to be the second best burger of the quote-unquote restaurant franchise and i gotta tell you i was a little let down by Le big matt because it tasted like a burger i get all the time at tomlinson's in bridgeport connecticut which is a great okay. burger. I'm always happy to go there and spend $7. However, you know, I'm going to New York and I'm spending $60 on two beers, on, a, on an appetizer and an mm-hmm. entree. And darn it all, it's just, it was a little overcooked. Like maybe I needed to specify it had to be medium rare. It was a little overcooked. It wasn't as good of a burger as I thought it was going to be. And it, and it tasted nothing like a Big Mac. Which, That's what was going to be my question. Did they have like the Big Mac sauce, the homemade, their take on it? or I, I didn't taste any of that. I mean, the pretzel nah, bun is no still good. delicious. Hmm. The pickles and, you know, the, the, the construction of the burger is great. I should not have gotten bacon on it. The bacon kind of overpowered everything else. Cause... Can I, this is one of my stances on food, and I don't have many. Mm-hmm. Bacon is not good on things. Bacon's- and I'll die on that hill. And I know I'm in the minority of it. But, like, mm-hmm. bacon as a breakfast food, as a side dish, it's delicious. It's great. Bacon on things, I, I can't do it most times. It overpowers a burger, like you said. It overpowers. It ruins pizza, I think. Pizza is not pizza when you put bacon on it most times. It's hard to thoroughly cook the bacon on pizza as well. Yeah, I'm not a huge bacon pizza guy either. And although I would vehemently disagree with you in certain areas of life, about bacon being useful. Uh, What's it best on? 
it, it well number one it's it's great on clam pizza it's great on a white clam pizza. Okay, a clams casino type thing yeah i'll agree with that sure it's great on a blt sandwich a club sandwich if you're dealing blt with like yeah yeah i agree it's the well a club no i disagree with the club blt yeah because it's the only thing going it's the main it's supposed to be the centerpiece a club i disagree it overpowers a club i mean i like it on a uh a jersey mike's sub i can't do it yeah see we're getting if it's not supposed to be the main event i don't think it needs i don't think it can be there because it forces itself into the main it's like hulk hogan in the early 90s in the wwf (laughs) okay (laughs) same skin complexion too uh yes it is yes it is it's a good point anyway the taste of things i i grade I, I mean, I'm I'm under I'm lowballing it. I grade a B plus eighty nine, and the Le Big Matt, I grade it like a seven dollar burger that I spent thirty dollars on itself. Right. So yeah, that you did. were let down by the burger, and then you were let down by the next film. Evil does not exist, Ryosuke Hamaguchi. So there, this movie starts off with this guy doing chores for ten minutes. That's what he does. He does chores. That's rough. He, he take he goes to the to the stream and he fills up a bunch of. Uh, water containers and then he chops wood and then he walks through nature that's it it's 10 (laughs) minutes of this and i'm like jesus god what are we doing that burger should have been better (laughs) and why am i watching this why am i watching this now there are several heated dialogues these exchanges between all these groups of characters because the glamping site is trying to go in in this uh, Japanese village and they're having a big town hall arguing about it wonderful scene and then the uh, the people who are, are in charge of the glamping site the agents are meeting with the you know the, the main character of the film and uh, he's like this odd job guy but he knows the forest he was doing all the chores and great dialogue scene and then the end is kind of abstract and weird, and, and, and but it happens after, like, they're driving for a long time, and then they're doing more chores, and then they're walking through nature for a long time. I This could have been accomplished in a short film, in a 30-minute short film. Mm. They had a couple good scenes, and I don't know why he blew this out to, you know, almost two hours. It was absurd. So that I mean, Does the title make sense? I, I don't get it, necessarily. Okay. I don't get it. No, not necessarily. I don't get it. So right. I, I'm sitting there and I'm I'm kicking myself like I could be I could be finding a better burger. I could be somewhere <laughs> else. I could be getting ramen. I damn it. I I, I kind of swung and missed at lunch and I'm just could be finding a better burger. It didn't work out for me. So evil does not exist was a rare miss for Hamaguchi. And then I'm like I mad am at wasting my time. <laughs> I'm mad at all the people who recommended evil does not exist. Everybody was like, I mean, it was like 80 something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It was at a huge high meta score. I forget what it was. So I'm going to give it a C minus. Some of the scenes were solid, but ultimately that's a disappointment for me, even though there's some fun satire and, you know, he, he could keep audiences wrapped. It, it felt to me like, remember when M night Shyamalan started, started going down and we're young and in the, yes. the lady in the water, Yes, and then there's like vividly. one jump scare scene there yeah. by the pool, and it was fantastic, and it scared the crap out of me. And I'm like, this guy could do that whenever he wants. Yeah. Why doesn't he want to do that? And why doesn't Hamaguchi want, you know, these Tarantino like dialogues? And just do that, man. That's what you're. I mean, and I feel like I'm pl- I'm I'm giving the argument at, of the casual fan of the band 
who's just saying, play the hits, play the hits, play the hits. And I feel like a rube when I do all this. But unfortunately, yeah, but the hits are also what got you your career. Yeah. You know? Unfortunately, yeah. he he doesn't play to his strengths and evil does not right. exist. So that was a bummer. So to uh, to somehow to somehow get myself out of it, I just I kind of just walked in a trance to, to Magnolia Bakery. And so speaking of playing the hits, you mm-hmm. seem to have like your spots in NYC for food. I had like 20 minutes and all I really wanted to do was just like walk and digest, you know, okay. and I was also feeling like, again, it was a late night. I, did, I don't think I got home until two in the morning. Oh, so wow. I was like, I needed an espresso and I know I can get an espresso. And I'm looking, I'm going past all the Starbucks and every Starbucks, there's a, like a 20 deep person deep line. So I'm like, all and right. You're like, you goddamn peasants, you I, fools. I know I know the Magnolia Bakery line goes fast. And if I'm there, I'll get a small. I only got a small, but I got a, a pumpkin-spiced banana pudding, which I wouldn't think is a delicious thing, but it is Jesus. It was, like, even better than the regular banana pudding. And, again, I like getting the banana pudding at Columbus didn't Circle. You say, yeah, didn't you say last episode the banana pudding is like their specialty? Yes, they have world-famous banana pudding. The so wafers. why wouldn't the pumpkin spice banana pudding be great? It was better than the original. <laughs> because because this is this is the thing. I come from a long line of family members who love icebox cake. That's banana, graham crackers, sure, and chocolate yeah. pudding. It's delicious. Okay, that is a delicious cake for us, uh, us poor people growing up in our... <laughs> Throughout the generations of my family, like you know, it's uh-huh. a, it's a it's a cheap and easy dessert, but it's become this family favorite for us. And I, I gotta say, like if if anybody tries to mess with that, I do feel a little upset. Now I am not like my father. My father gets vehemently angry if anybody makes uh, vanilla icebox cake. He wants chocolate okay. icebox cake. <laughs> I happen to love vanilla icebox cake. So therefore I love Magnolia bakery pudding, which is essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I got mm-hmm. very, I got very worried that I was I messing. See. I was messing with the formula that I love when I went for the right. pumpkin spice. And I literally, I literally, I'm in front of the, the freezer grabbing the regular grab it. And then I, I put the regular back and I grabbed the I oh, so you even had a choice, spice. and you went with the... It was a Sophie's choice. It was a Sophie's yeah. choice. Good for you. The same thing. And exact same stakes. And yes. I got my little espresso, and then, I, and, and then like you take one spoonful of the pumpkin spice, and it's just... I mean, the pumpkin is so pronounced. Delicious. Delicious I'm flavor. jealous. I wish I had some of this. I love banana pudding. And, and yeah, the pumpkin spice made all the difference. So, and that's what I hear from people. Like the the actual, you know, the flavored banana puddings there are even better. Apparently, there's a red velvet one Ooh. that's like the best that comes out. I think I would guess around Christmas time or Valentine's. Valentine's could make sense. Yeah. So yeah, it's Magnolia Bakery, new favorite spot. So that was my first uh, and second films of the day, and my first and second meals of the day. Really, that that that. That was it. That's all I ate. I mean, it was uh, five thirty. I grabbed no, yeah, five thirty. Magnolia Bakery, and I didn't eat anything the rest of the day, which I thought was good for me. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I had McDonald's burritos. I had the Emmy squared. You know, my big money ticket item, and then yeah, I, I had some some pudding. I feel like. You feel like I might have shamed you last episode, which was not my intent. So now you're just eating in private and not talking about them on the show. Listen, I no, I I shame myself. Now I I thought about I thought about going to PJs. I thought about going to, uh, you know, to to a sushi place. And don't worry, the next night 
I had I had a little more in me. Right. But uh, I got to be honest. I had a big meal after the game on Friday night. Mm. So I like that. You know, I don't need to. I am amazed you were able to do all this and get to New York after dealing with, you know, kids in a game and all that on a Friday night. That is impressive. I would it, not have the bandwidth. Yeah, it, it was a lot. But uh, I, I got rewarded because. I end up seeing two great movies in the day. And and that's what I was texting you. I was like, I just want some of these movies to be great. And and to Mm. me, like great movies are like that A minus A range. Right. The taste of things was an A audience score from me. And even though I'll (laughs) probably have to soberly give it a B plus 89. Anatomy of a fall was another one that I really enjoyed. I enjoy, I love this genre. When, when, When this, Murder mystery genre works well when the fiery courtroom drama yeah. genre works well and they unravel the mystery at a good tempo. I love that. Same. And Justine Trier and her partner uh, there, who was, who was there, I forget his name, the director of Own, uh, Anoda, which I reviewed last year at New Directors, New Films. I love that movie, too. They, uh, they wrote this together during the pandemic. And they kind of traded things back and forth to get both perspectives from the husband and wife. And they ultimately, good. Yeah. They ultimately write this like marriage story level domestic drama worked within these, these, uh, these genre filmmaking structures. I just thought this thing flew. It was intense. Um, I'm engaged the entire time. And then you get like these major Oscar goods from the drama, like Sandra Huller. That's my favorite performance on the year, full stop. Wow. She is great. She's my number one and lead actress right now. Burn it all down if she misses people. Well, Burn if she does down. miss, we're going to, I mean, again, it'll just be another example of that international feature debacle happening and, and robbing a film of other nominations that it would have gotten elsewhere on the card like we saw with RRR last year. Yeah, so I'm really worried now. Like, I'm genuinely worried that uh, Anatomy of a Fall is going to miss far more than it should. Because yeah. to me, like, this is Same. a slam dunk, obvious best picture contender any year. I, I just, I, I loved it. I, I thought, I thought it was much more entertaining than I expected. You know, we watched the first boring French trailer, and then we. We watched the American recut. Remember yeah. the second trailer? Mm-hmm. And we're like, there's no way this movie's paced this way. And, right. and look, I mean, it's not a few good men pacing. It's not, you know, the it's not the social network where we're bebopping around. I mean, it, it is methodically paced, but there's a strong narrative momentum and there's constant arguments being thrown out there. And there's definitely there's definitely movements to what you're thinking as an audience hmm. member of, of who's responsible, etc. So I love the way they, they went, they, they pulled it off. Uh, Do you I, get, is, is the ending left open to interpretation or not? They talked about it like it was in the okay. Q and a, cause I happily stayed for the Q and a Sandra Huller was there, Justine Trier and uh, yes, Arthur Harari. They, all three of them were there and they, they gave a long talk so if, if, if they weren't there, I would have went to PJ Clark's just for the record. <laughs> so they saved me probably like 40 bucks. And okay. uh, I happily watched them talk about the movie. And they, they, they talked about their wanting to be some leeway. All right. And then some ambiguity. Which So, that again, we have to go and watch this thing again. I thought it was yeah. open and shut. Okay. So I am very much looking forward to it. I'm glad to hear that it holds up in your eyes. And I'm wondering what you're going to think of the French court courtroom 
structures. It was very different structure. It's like an it's like an open conversation where anybody can talk at any time, just about. So that's a very different. That sounds like the loudest person wins. That's it, a very different uh, structure than. American I should be an attorney yeah. in France, is what you're saying. You might want to do that because you're <laughs> just loud. Guilty, guilty. <laughs> and the prosecutor, people hated the prosecutor, and I overheard people hating his performance as well because he was like this snarling, intense character. Interesting. All right. Very All much right. looking forward to that. Yeah, so I mean, I, I worry that I'm giving you too high of an expectation for Anatomy of a Fall. I mean, I don't know that it's you either, though. I mean, I, I you know, it's my pride has gotten in the way because I was in our 75% accurate show. I had it all over the card before France went and picked uh, the pot on fire, the taste of things. As mm-hmm. They should have just called it the pot on fire. It's such a better name. But anyway, before mm-hmm. France picked the taste of things over it as its official submission. So now I have this, like, prideful thing of me wanting Anatomy of the Fall to be good anyway on my own. I tell you, I was thrilled that they were both this good. So they they might be both best picture worthy. At least I they are for me. We'll never watch a pot on fire. The pot on fire <laughs> is like a chocolat. It's it's very much in that vein. Except I, that I know what'll happen if I see it, and it'll just be me being angry at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely because they they literally linger on every dish. <laughs> It's just a leering. It's just for perverts. It's just for food perverts like me. Mm-hmm. I wanted the food porn, and I got every bit of it. Right. You walk out with just like assless chaps and nipple tassels on. You oh, don't even know how you got them. Vive la France. <laughs> loved it. Loved it. And, uh-huh. and Anatomy of a Fall is half in English, by the way, and it's set in. Uh, it's set in France, in the mountains, but it's 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 only half in French, so it's very easy to follow. I wonder and if it, that's and it's, part of the was it was was uh, uh, the taste of things completely in French? Yes, uh, I wonder if that played a role into France's uh, Oscar submission uh, board picking it. I don't know. Right. So that was my movie number three. So I needed a fast pace, funny film to finish out my day. I needed like. I needed the comedy to follow the HBO drama. And right. I got that with, with Hitman. Richard Linklater, Glenn Powell, Adrian This Ardrona. is one you were very much looking forward to. Yes. And here's the thing. I don't want this to sound like a major disappointment, even though Hitman wasn't the A grade that I kind of hoped for. But I, I really had fun watching this. And it was an easy, breezy watch, which was so important for a fourth film of the day. Wait until you hear the fourth film I watched on Sunday night. Which is brutal. So, okay. like, here's the issue with Hitman. Like, you cannot buy this as a true story for a single second. And when you find out that they played very fast and loose with the facts, it's the most obvious thing ever. Of course they did. <laughs> like, you're watching this movie. Like, if you, so if you, I think that's a helpful kind of quote unquote, maybe spoiler for Hitman, mm-hmm. because don't go in thinking this is like purely nonfiction. It's not. It's very much artistic, artistically licensed entertainment. And Good God is it entertaining. I mean, Glenn Powell, he's wearing a different costume in every scene. So he's he's doing this funny shtick throughout the movie. You have uh, Adriar Drona playing uh, this, this, this super hot. I mean, they're both super hot. Like, these two people are so super hot. If you've seen <laughs> them out in the wild... You would just be like, nobody, <laughs> nobody would ever overlook them as being 
you know, like this forgettable hitman or this right. forgettable undercover person. Like he would never be able to pull it off. Like he's in the he's teaching uh, college courses and he's like Harrison Ford at the beginning of uh, of Indiana Jones. And you would think every girl would have something written on her eyelids or every every person who's attracted to them to have something written on their their eyelids i love you but nobody even notices me he's just like supposed to be this nerd which is total bs right so that's that's where i'm at like the the realism is just ridiculous it's not real a realistic film but it's a fun romance and there's some dad jokes throughout from richard Linklater. like this there's a lot of corny humor there's some bad jokes, but then there's some really funny stuff. And it's more performance kind of physical comedy than I, I would have thought or some editing comedy. So, you know, Richard Linklater still got it. And this was the perfect film to finish on my day. I give it a B85. No All problem. right. Good. Glad to hear that. What would you follow it up with meal-wise? I, I ate nothing. I went home. I had a Gatorade. I had a Gatorade. Oh, wow. Was, All right. That was it. Because, you know, you, you have to hydrate. The big thing about film festivals <laughs> is you really do have to hydrate. And that and it gets a little dicey at times. Because I got to tell you, like, there's like you'll if you have like a margarita, which I'll describe, mm-hmm. and then you like don't drink a bottle of water with it, like you, out. you feel awful. Yeah. Yeah. I, anyway. can, I can imagine that. So the next day. I repeat the McDonald's All right. <laughs> in the morning. Two for two. <laughs> because it, it, it worked the day before. Uh, and I have another four-movie slate. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I con- considered hitting my snooze alarm and just skipping the first film. And I was going to, but then I couldn't fall back to sleep at like 8 in the morning. Because this is a 12-noon movie. And I, I, want, and I probably fell asleep at like 3 in the morning. You know, from from getting home so late, yeah, I would not have, North. I would not have gotten right back to it. It it really was a Herculean effort on my part to get up and get there on time, and I did. I got there. I was fine. I got to uh, Walter Reed La Camera played the night before at Alice Tully Hall. I, I saw Hitman instead. Alice Rohrwacher, the director, Josh O'Connor, and Isabella Russellini all presented it. So I'm feeling good now. Like, oh, they're all here. I get to get to be here in a room with them. This sure. is fun. Um, and then this movie starts, and it's just such a peculiar story. La Camera feels like this obscure novel you would be forced to read by a friend in college or by this kooky professor. Right. And then you that a good thing. But then you'd think fondly about it for the next decade of your life. Okay, (laughs) It's It's an interesting comparison. Yeah, because it's such a bizarre story. And they have this 1980s cinematography that she shot it on film and it looks wholly unique and old school and how unique it is, because it's we haven't seen camera work like this since then. And you got 1980s Italy. I don't know what village they're in, but this is about a young British archaeologist played by Josh O'Connor getting in with this band of just fun-loving, party-loving Italian grave robbers, none of whom are employed. All they do is just rob these old, like ancient Etruscan graves. And they're trying to sell museum artifacts on the black market. Or what they oh. think is the black market. All right. So it's this wild story. And then Josh O'Connor, he becomes like adopted by his missing girlfriend's family. And Isabella Russellini is the matriarch <laughs> <What>? <laughs> of this family. And 
he's and and the people seem to think she's dead some uh-huh. people in the family and he's not saying he's very coy about it and the the grandmother thinks the the daughter's coming back but he's still in love with her clearly because he has other options everybody thinks he's so hot they all want him and <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't uh do anything with anybody because he's still hung up on her right and it's just like this wild story of going from one gravesite to the next and, and look it, it meanders a little too too long in some instances but i find myself in lockstep with this character who's just like totally lost as a human being which is probably a bad thing for me by the way <laughs> <laughs> recording a podcast, an Oscars podcast. <laughs> Here I am, and uh, I'm relating to this archaeologist who's lost his soul. And Just don't follow his career path, maybe. <laughs> not going to do that. But I, this movie snuck up on me to the point where, like, when I'm in lockstep with him at the end, I'm telling him what to do because we all know what he needs to do at the end of the movie. And then when he does it, I'm like, yeah, I would do that too. So a resume good. builder, a surprise resume builder for Josh O'Connor. Oh, yeah. He was terrific in it. Alice Rohrwalker as a director is someone I'm going to be on the lookout from here, here to forth with. I, I was not familiar with her work before this, uh, I don't think. And uh, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed La Camille. B, B85, 84, something like that. Well, that's but, uh, the, the, right? that's the, the authentic film festival experience, right? You go, you see something you have no idea about, and you end up having it. It's something that grows on you over time. A true discovery. I mean, my it's day like was... a fungus, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> my day was built on the next two things, and I, okay. I decided this because I was like, you know, what? I really got to do something big, food wise, for the next day, and I got to see a big Oscar contending film like The Zone right. of Interest. So right. I knew I needed to eat before The Zone of Interest because you don't want to eat afterwards. I mean, Correct. That's, right. Jesus, the heavy subject matter. So, of course, I merrily roll into Rosa Mexicano. I, right. I haven't been here since my student days because hmm. Fordham's right across the street. And I, ca- I couldn't remember anything other than I remember going there with friends. Sure. So I can't remember anything about the place, even though when I sit down and they have the fresh guacamole option and they'll make it right in front of you. Table and, side. Which they did. Table side. And, it, and I remembered that. I remember the guacamole being fantastic. I just don't remember it being this fantastic. I ate every... When I tell you that bowl was cleaned better than any Etruscan <laughs> artifact, <laughs> that bowl was cleaned perfectly. I ate every chip, I and they gave you salsa and then guacamole. <laughs> I ate every single speck of it. Oh, so good. And I, I ordered a margarita. Licking it off. Ordered a margarita with salt on the glass. Delicious. I, I I love a good margarita. I, I can't like drink like ten margaritas. That's never been me. Because I'm not a big liquor guy. Well, most people can't, yeah. But I can have one or two margaritas. I just had one and I, I loved every sip of that. And then the the highlight of the meal were these New York strip steak tacos. And they had the guac fresh guacamole in there. And and look, I love a good taco place near us. Right, I I love to go to a couple couple places in my town. Taco sure. Mita is a new one, by the way. And Taco Mita does like these, you know, these you know three taco combos, six taco combos, and they're and they're small tacos, but they're delicious. And I I love I love trying all the types of tacos. And I just went with the steak tacos here. When I tell you that this taco blew anything out of the water that I've ever had in terms of a little delicious taco place. 
it's not even close. Like I, I would have eaten off of these tortillas. <laughs> I would have eaten my doggy, my pug doggy's poop. Stop. Why? Happily. You don't have to go there. I would. It's the I second would. episode in a it. row. I'll prove it. This Jack, this will be Mike, Mike, and Jackass. Stop doing that. <laughs> it was just so good, the tortillas. And, oh, I, I, I mean, I could have eaten nine of these tacos. How animated three. were you? Were you like, first of all, were you alone? Did your brother I was go with alone. You I was alone. I was the bartender was nice, you know. I, I was in there quick, Mike. Okay. I was only in there for like twenty five minutes. But were I you had, like, were you like, did you take a bite, then like slam your hand on the the bar top, and like, oh, and then gesture towards the, <laughs> oh, like <laughs> you, you, you know me well. I pretty much, I pretty <laughs> much a lot did of that, that happening. And I immediately ate the other two because I was thinking like maybe I can order another another three tacos, even though they're twenty two dollars. <laughs> But I, I, I'm looking at the, the time click by, and I'm like, you know, I, I really, I got to get to my next screening. But with with a half hour to play with, I had chips and salsa, chips and guac, a margarita, three steak tacos, and I didn't overeat, obviously. It was just delicious. Your, your time management has really been the second most impressive uh, feat of your New York Film Festival experience next to your stomach made of 1940s U.S. American steel. So I yeah I I go into the next movie I'm on time I I see Jonathan Glazer Sandra Huller and the crew the sound designer was there they all present the zone of interest and yeah I mean we're in, we know we're in for a big movie we know we're in for an intense intense experience and everybody's reviewing the zone of interest with the same modifiers bone chilling unflinching haunting and it, right. and they're correct like th- this movie is messed up obviously because you're you're literally following the home lives of the family that is uh, the commandant of Auschwitz's family, Rudolf Huss. Okay, so and this—he's a very famous, you know, monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was—he was tried at Nuremberg, and they know a lot about him. And and the fact that this was a very heavily researched novel to the point where a lot of the survivors, especially a lot of his servants, were interviewed afterward. You know, interviewed to make, you know, to 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 write the novel. To the point where a lot of the conversations the married couple were having, they were, you know, eavesdropped upon by these servants, by these survivors. So a lot of this stuff is 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 on the record. And when you find that out, it, yeah. it really is kind of mind blowing. Yeah. And you you would think like the direction is gonna be cold blooded, like it was just gonna stay at an arm's length. And he, he even described as much during the Q and a, and I just didn't feel anything like that. I thought like there's sweeping editorial motifs here. He is making very clear statements to me and, and making things abundantly clear to everyone about what is happening, what they knew and when they knew it. Hmm. Nobody is ignorant down to the youngest child of what's happening. And the sound design proves as much. The sound design is a, you know, Dante's Inferno by the end of it. I mean, it's slowly building, but it's terrifying and there's not a drop of blood in the film so they don't show any of the atrocities this is not son of saul right but this was their lives in this dream house that she had built for the family sandra huller's character and she's totally unrecognizable by the way compared to the other film which is shocking to me and it's just all her physicality how she walks how she moves 
I mean, she looked like a she looked like a professional athlete in this movie. Like she's built, she looks strong, she moves strong. I, I was like, holy cow! I didn't know, I had no idea. Yeah, what a year for her. I had no idea it was going to be such a, a a difference. And yeah, I I mean, I don't think she'll get nominated for this performance. Obviously, I think it's Anatomy of a Fall all the way. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a shot, and he was there as well. I forget this guy's name, but um, he's got a shot. He's from the White Ribbon and, and whatnot. He's a very good actor, his own right, playing Commandant uh, Huss there. But Christian Friedel. Thank you. The family contact, conflicts on display, all the kids' defense mechanisms to what they're quote-unquote hearing, even though they put the sound design in later. But like this is like meticulous, disciplined filmmaking without ambiguity, and everything that we are glimpsing or overhearing, you know, with the context clues that are popping up. Uh, to me, the most sickening and disturbing thing, obviously, is how you, how your mind wanders, but also, I mean, how these characters ignore it, and how these. How there's like some sense of normalcy that they're trying to to fight for despite everything. That's like the most sickening thing, and I think he he wanted to pull that off as as from the POV of a perpetrator. And it was it was wild because the audience. I don't know if the audience was having it, Mike. There was this big rude question at the end of it, like, "What do you think of Holocaust media?" and and the the Q and A moderators like, "We're not taking questions of the audience." Sorry, and he was shook. Jonathan Glaber was shook at the end of the Q and A. Wait, like, they weren't taking questions from the audience, but someone managed to ask a question. Screamed out the question: Why? Why are Holocaust movies still being made? Because he, I guess he felt they were gratuitous. Interesting. Um, so th- th- that I wonder if that's a backlash. I want you know, even mentioning it now, I feel a bit guilty for doing so. But it like people both days. <laughs> You would know walking out of a movie if the New York Film Festival audience member liked it or not. Like there were right. there were several instances where people were very upset with a movie or very happy with a movie. It was it was obvious. Like this next movie, Janet Planet. There was a guy who walked out in the middle of it, and he was an elderly man, and he told like four people on his way out how he thought it was the worst movie he's ever seen. <laughs> Like, I felt bad. I really did because the, the movie was fine. Janet Planet, Julianne Nicholson, Zoe Ziegler, Annie Baker, all present. Again, very cool. Uh, she's a famous playwright, New York playwright, making her feature film debut here with Janet Planet. It's a mother daughter dramedy. It's very funny. I mean, she killed that New York City audience. Like, this was huge laughs, and the payoffs to these scenes and sequences were. Just really funny, really good stuff. You got great performances. I mean, Julianne Nicholson, I've been a fan of her since Tully, and she's always in these indie darlings like Monos right. a couple years ago. It was great. And she got featured in Mayor of Easttown. She was in a, one of the main roles opposite Kate Winslet. Uh, she's She's been great since 2000. I, I remember discovering that Tully film at my local blockbuster, right? So Janet Planet, to see her all these years later still just being magnetic is and, and you can't take your eyes off of her on screen. No wonder every man in her life falls in love with her and every woman <laughs> in her life wants to be her best friend. And this movie is about her going from a relationship, you know, deep relationship from to, to deep relationship from the daughter's perspective. And you can't do that if you don't have a fantastic child actor. And this was Zoe Ziegler's debut here. And her comedic timing, like the smirks, this kid will level a building with those 
facial expressions someday. I mean, I she, she had that 1,100 person audience in the palm of her hands, like which there, is no was, easy feat for a child actor, as we talked about many, many times here. It's incredible. So you, the the movie hinged on her, and it paid off. So I mean, ultimately, I would love for Annie Baker to to hit a faster pace. Like I'm watching this movie, and I'm begging for things to pick up. Mm. But I understand now, and I, I kind of put out a rude tweet, like, the, 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 the movies have to be as boring as real life. Well, I, I get why she did that, because she's trying to show the boredom of childhood, the loneliness of this little kid, and that probably has an effect on the relationship with the mother and why it's so codependent in many ways and how it had to get past that codependency, even though you're codependent on your parent when you're 11 years old i mean it makes sense or so 36. yeah i <laughs> like if i if i was fresher it wasn't my third movie of the day and seventh movie of the weekend i may have liked janet planet more but it's still right. like undeniably a low b b minus no question so is zone of interest up there with like best picture contendership i forgot to grade it it's hard to grade i i, I would say a b plus right now 88 it's such it's such a plot line that it, it, the plot is le- much less important than the production design or the, you know, the VFX or the sound. Right. Design. That's where the, the emotional hook comes. Yes. In. So yeah. the filmmaking is really done on multiple levels, of course, and the zone of interest, the audacity of the project, the ambition of the project is what you walk away with. And I, I think, further study here's the thing like i never want to see the movie again so i yeah. wonder but i wonder if that matters to the academy i mean well one if they if they can recognize it and all of its nuances on first watch then yeah i think the zone of interest will be nominated in a few categories but if not i i would guess it would be kind of relegated to the international feature category where it's still probably a likelihood right you know, all right. Probably, probably. Well, after Janet Planet, you you went back to old reliable, and for the second weekend in a row, you went sushi diving. I uh, I was just craving sushi again. I was craving New York City sushi. You're in the, yeah, I, you're in the city. You want to feel sophisticated. I get it. I walked past a place near Columbus Circle on one of my several trips to Magnolia Bakery, Sushi Damo, and I looked it up and I had good rankings, and you could sit right at the sushi bar. Couple salmon rolls, yellowtail roll, loved it. I mean, it, it just hit the spot. Again, I only had 15, 20 minutes in there, but I just needed a second dinner, I guess. <laughs> no, it wasn't a second. I had I had a lunch, and then this was dinner. And neither, I, you know, I didn't overeat. I had three rolls. I could have done another three rolls. There's no, no, not three, but two rolls. But these were like <laughs> six-piece rolls. They weren't monster rolls. Like you get where we are, you know? Right. But it, it hit the spot, even though. Hit the spot. <laughs> Perfect. I, I walked out of there just thoroughly happy. I had a Sapporo. And uh, the only thing I didn't do, I wasn't drinking water. So I'm, I'm in the beast. Yeah. Like eighth movie of the weekend. Final movie of the day. And I'm beat to hell. Now, okay, so this is your lowest grade. You gave the Beast a C is where you land on it. Upon reflection, 
is it all content or do you think it has mostly to do with the fact that you were just fatigued and worn down and dehydrated and all that? I don't know, but I do. Okay. I, I know this was like the worst type of movie to end my marathon. You know, I mean, it's this re- convoluted reincarnation love story plot that wants the genre bend. And then I'm begging for this director to pull it together sooner. Cause I see where it's heading and it's two hours and 20 minutes. And you, you know, it's like 30 minutes too long, even though they, they, they give you quite the unique plot line towards the end. And I was appreciative of that. And there are major callbacks and homages to two of our favorite films named after Hollywood streets, Mulholland drive <laughs> and sunset Boulevard. Sure. Yeah. Major callbacks there. And then you, you watch Le- I mean, I would watch Leia say do, you know, fold her laundry for two right. hours. Right. I mean, she is one of the most gorgeous pe- people on the planet. George McKay is in this from 1917. He's he's very uh, he's he's a great actor too, and he's playing some difficult parts and some unique parts because we we time jump to reincarnated plot lines of these two being in love with each other, but the love is somewhat unrequited, at least to a point. Okay, so maybe I'm just a broken man and I don't believe in this love, especially the love <laughs> between them two. But I didn't buy it. I didn't buy why why is she in love with him? Why? What does he bring to the table that I don't? I mean, I am just... <laughs> Why not pr- me, Leia do A prisoner of conditional love. Like, yeah, what does he have that I don't? <laughs> Bro? So what, he ran across a battlefield one time 106 years ago. <laughs> that's, not, that's not even in this movie. <laughs> I, I Look, I, I think the premise was something I underestimated a little bit, but they gave us a cock of shit premise. That was absurd. What what they wrote down for the New York Film Festival? It's people don't feel emotions anymore. And yeah, that's part of it, but that's the slightest premise. Like they really needed to repackage this movie in the marketing, and I I hope that happens because it just got picked up. But this is like this AI science fiction reincarnation romantic horror that's smart, ambitious, and aggressive, and you know points for ambition. Some people I really respect. Some some critics have this as their favorite movie of the year the beast interesting but yeah Yeah, not something that you could find common ground with no i just i didn't work for me like one of the plot lines works better than the other in my opinion but it's just like all right well look out of uh the what the eight movies that you reviewed here you had basically seven winners and one that you disagree with well two i mean evil does not exist but two you're right you're right i forgot about yeah Six six for eight at a film yeah, festival. Seventy five percent hit rate. That's nothing to sneeze at for a film festival. And like I said to you, it's like I'm begging for great movies. I'm begging for high B pluses, A minuses, and poor things and all of us strangers. I saw them. I got Maestro in May December next weekend. Yeah, I'm already I'm already, it's gravy now. If Maestro or May December's good, it's all gravy. Which reminds me I gotta go to Lady Gaga's parents' place. <laughs> For their lasagna. <laughs> That's what I want to do next. But I don't know. I made. I didn't really get my PJ Clark's fix either. This do year. you call marinara sauce gravy? Is, is that is, is is that an Italian thing? I know it's an Italian thing, but is that how Italian you are? Yeah, of course no. I am. It's, it's marinara sauce. It's, it's just go easy. Gravy is right. gravy. <laughs> I know I put you through a lot in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
you mentioned uh, the Beast was sold to Janus Films. They also have Evil Does Not Exist. Kind of ironic. Maybe Janus Films has a personal grudge against you. Janus Films had Drive My Car two years ago, which I was banging the table for. But uh, yeah, Janus Films, I mean, I give them credit because these are movies that are that have passionate audiences. So Janus Films is going to try and sell to those audiences and, and, and widen the tent. But like this, the beast. There was another guy who walked out of the beast, just furious. <laughs> I don't even want to mention. I hope it what was the said. same guy. <laughs> no, it was a very different guy because this was like this big burly voice. Maybe it was just this guy changing his voice. You're right. Maybe it was the same guy. <laughs> so mad and just letting the whole theater know it. Like I can't believe somebody's. That I envision rude. that's how I would be at these film festivals if I was in something that. Like honestly, I, I I get I understand it's rude and it's not right, but I understand that if you're there all day, you're like oh god damn it. This this guy was loudly voicing his displeasure b- before the Q and A as he's walking <laughs> out of there. So I'm rooting for the beast to uh, to find an audience though, because there there are definitely goods to be delivered there. One life sold to Bleecker Street. This is the Anthony Hopkins film. And a lot of people on film Twitter were saying that Kiss's Oscar chances good guy. Has Bleecker Street bungled any Oscar Oscar campaigns recently? I can't remember that, Michael. I I'd need to do a deep dive. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, so that, that was sad to hear, you know, or sad to read on film Twitter this weekend. Cause but one, Street, life, uh, one Life had kind of surprisingly middling reviews, didn't it? When, upon, it uh, it did. It did. It's probably more of a crowd pleaser than anything else. And, yeah. and Bleecker, Street, or Bleecker Street's all about those. Yeah. So, all right. The other big Oscar news in terms of a release for this year, sneaking in to, to qualify, is Freud's Last Session from Sony Pictures Classics. So every year we just got to be on the lookout for a late breaker from Sony's picture, Sony Pictures Classics. You have Anthony Hopkins and Matthew Good deliver crafty performances as Sigmund Freud and C.S. Lewis, two great minds whose intellectual sparring demonstrates both men's formidable strengths and emotional vulnerabilities, directed by Matthew Brown. And uh, this was something that we were aware of, Michael, in our Mm -hmm. our, uh, way-too-early predictions, etc., but it looked like Freud's last session was getting bumped to another year, and here it is swooping in at the last second. Can you see Anthony Hopkins maybe being in the mix now for this, I mean, he's done I it thought before. I predicted this on our hundred, uh, you know, way too early, the the day after the Oscars recording that we do, uh, and not in our seventy five percent. But I could be wrong. I was thinking about predicting because it has an intriguing enough premise, and it sounds like the talent attached is obviously Oscars worthy in and of itself. But yeah, I mean, if Anthony Hopkins is breathing, he can contend for an Oscar, right? <laughs> there you go. Anything he does, he's always in the conversation. <laughs> yes. So it's it's fun to see like these late breakers and and what sleeping giants there are. In, in the Oscars conversation, because you know it's never wrapped up as early as we are here. And it's, it looks like a lot of co- categories are wide open. And, like, one of those looming giants is the color purple, no? I mean, this could be this could be a three Oscar nominee. This could be a 10, 12 Oscar nominee. I would be surprised if it's a zero Oscar nominee, ex, you know, based on this trailer. Like, the production values here, the costumes, the... Good God, they look epic, yeah, the costumes, the production design. The, I think original song is going to be a bloodbath this year. Mm. If that's an original song that's being sung throughout this trailer, that's a banger. That's like akin to like the greatest showman type stuff. I the wonder. And all that going in, in the background. But yeah, I, I was impressed by this second trailer for The Color Purple, mostly because it was such a diversion of expectation from what I was expecting from a trailer for The Color Purple. That 1986 original adaptation from Steven Spielberg was 
downtrodden. And this was yeah. empowering. This was a new version of the color purple that apparently has been brought to Broadway that Oprah and Quincy Jones and now Spielberg wanted to adapt and Blitz Bazawule of Beyonce's Black is King is directing it so he can handle a big musical movie. You got her, Ciara, John Batiste, and then the star of the Broadway play, American Idol finalist turned Broadway star Fantasia Barino, Daniel Brooks. Everybody in this can can sing. Halle Bailey, Taraji P. Henson. My biggest issue with this trailer was Taraji P. Henson is so obviously lip syncing that it's painful. Yeah. That was which the worst is, part. Which is weird considering how far we've come with the lip syncing type stuff and they're able to blend the voices and make it look like it's coming from the actual person in the last few years. But, I mean, the costumes here, the number of period piece costumes and and the range of them. You're going from these small towns to... That was what what was most surprising to me is that this seems to, I mean, I I hear the color purple and I think more like plantation based and this seems to be more city based or sharecropper, I guess. Right. I mean, but yeah, Yeah. but the floor's got to be the costumes, right? I mean, you have, I mean, you have the, the small town costumes of the, of the time, but you also have the big city Broadway looks and. And there's so many musical numbers that the production design is fantastic. Good God, production design. Are we thwarted again in our predictions? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I'm watching this trailer, however. And I'm watching the lip syncing. And I'm not getting the drama I thought because, you know, they're speaking fighting words in the trailer. And that's got to be pulled off, you know, in the well, movie, like you said, this me. isn't the downtrodden story. Right. This isn't that angle of it. This is like a, a comeuppance, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the kind of the vibe I got was the, you're not going to take our power away. We still have a voice type. Yeah. So the anthem story. type movie here, if they, if that hits, that's going to be refreshing. Yeah, and yeah I, I, I mean, think so, too. And I mean, I, I was surprised we didn't really see much from Fantasia either, who we all know has a huge voice in one yes. American Idol back in the day and all that. So. I was hoping some tricks up its sleeve. I would hope I was hoping we'd see more from her, but she was belting it out in the last trailer. So I'm Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it's there. So, I mean, the color purple and Napoleon, those are the two looming Oscar giants for me at the moment. I would guess. I mean, obviously, American fiction and is already hit, you know, a tiff. Freud's last session. Yes. But who knows? But the the, the, those are the big unknowns. So this episode became about that in a way, which I kind of like. And uh I don't know. The the last unknown I would say right now is, is getting closer to being known is that we have a joint statement from the AMPTP and SAG-AFTRA clumsily transitioning to industry news where they're he- holding negotiations Wednesday, Michael, and they're yeah, working the 11th. Yeah, I mean we're we're recording this Tuesday. Do we think the day that everybody hears this will be the am I may I am I jinxing everything by saying <laughs> we're on the goal line? No, I I I mean this is the third face to face meeting and the eleventh I think will be the fourth in the last two weeks of scheduled negotiations between the two and this is the first joint statement. So yeah, I mean, look if you're mm-hmm. dynamically opposed to the other side, you're not putting out a joint statement with them. Good. So if you're that far away, you're not uh, coming together to to try to calm the waters of both sides in one statement. Knock on wood. You're going to do what the more. WGA did when they uh, felt they were being strong-armed in the negotiating room and be like, hey, this is how the other side's trying to screw us. Stay strong. 
So, yeah, I think we're very close to this ending. Speaking of the WGA, they ratified their deal with a 99% majority of members signing off on it. So that was... Yeah, good to see. And why not? I mean, it makes a lot of sense that they got pretty much not everything they wanted, but they got certainly more than half that they wanted and, and literally more than half if you go by the dollar value. So, again, just something that makes a lot of sense. All right, we'll we'll end industry news here quickly with a box office update. But like I, th- to me, the big story is the Exorcist Believer underperforming. Of course, forty four point one million worldwide. But I'm just I don't understand like this film in terms of what it needs to be profitable, etc. I understand that the production budget's thirty million. They paid a whopping huge sum for the rights, plus you know accounting for the budgets. I think you almost got to look at the the franchise at the end of this for Universal, and they they may be rebooted again, you know, oh, five God. years from now. I mean, they may I can't, look at can't, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the the license. I I think they bought it. Jimmy Champagne had it on his uh, on one of his episodes recently, and the way he explained it and the way I understood it was they bought it for a two picture deal. And then depending on how the second picture, uh, depending on how those first two pictures do would dictate whether or not there is a third movie, whether or not the third movie goes straight to video on demand, whether or not it exists at all, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think they can like drag their heels because I'm sure if they bought it for a, a two or three picture deal, there's a time frame in which the license, if they don't produce a movie, reverts back to whoever had it beforehand. That's usually how those things go. But this is a bomb in terms yeah, of yeah, critical yeah. reception. This is not good. Audience reception. People hate it. Critics hate it. I mean, we're going to have to see it, I guess, just to say we did. I mean, I'm certainly going to see it. I, I was thinking about maybe if I if we didn't record today, I was going to run out and maybe see it in theaters mm. if I could. I, I don't know that I'll get to it now, um, but I, I'm going to see it at some point, whether it comes on VOD or whatever. Right. I, I just out of, you know, I, I still have hope for one and for two. Even if it's bad, sometimes bad horror movies are the best movies for me. So, okay, yeah, I I've been curious myself. Saw X is another movie I've still been curious about. It's you 7. have 8. to see it, Mike. It held up well. I almost went last it. night. I I may go tonight. You're gonna go to the theater and you're gonna chicken out at the last second. You're gonna see Paw Patrol instead. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? No, yes, I, would, I, would I see, can. I would see When Evil Lurks. Which is coming to what Shutter. What is that? It's, it's supposed to be this Argentinian horror movie that they talked about in the big picture that's disgusting. But I'm going to see that movie. And and weeks later, when I actually finally watch Saw X, When Evil Lurks is going to turn out somehow to be the more gross movie. That's what's going to happen. I'll tell you what. If When Evil Lurks is more gross than Saw X, they're going to have to do some wild shit. <laughs> Oh no! That's what I was trying to. Get. I was trying to get that out of you. There's two. There are two scenes in Saw X that are just uh, like unnecessary. Uh, so I would vomit all over myself if I was full from a New York City meal. One of them at least has to do with a trap. So like you can at least rationalize that. Okay, it's Jigsaw being Jigsaw. You're, so, so you're telling me there's a non-trap gross scene? Completely. Completely unnecessary. <laughs> oh. I'm not going to like Saw X. Why no, would you're I not, put, but you have to would, see it. Why would I put myself through that? Why? You why? have to. <laughs> you have to see... If I see Saw X, you have to see the taste of things. That has to be a deal we strike. 
That's not fair. No, it is fair. <laughs> Why do I have to watch the Yucky Block? Because Saw X is a good movie. Taste of Things is a great movie. Maybe no, the it's best not. Movie. <laughs> no, it's not. You're just a pervert. <laughs> You've turned into Costanza from that one episode of Seinfeld that I can reference now where he mixes sexual pleasure with salted meats. <laughs> I haven't got there yet. That's you, what? <laughs> when? When is that? What season? It's a later one. I think yeah. it's like season six or seven. No, I'm like middle. I'm I'm middle of six. And you have uh, I gotta I gotta do some research. I thought that was middle maybe of six. All right. Well, maybe, maybe it's I'm in middle that season. Of five. You're I don't know where I am. I'll tell you what you've done. You've <laughs> you've crossed over. You've created one six sexual deviant here. <laughs> no, that's 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 where my life is. He's like making love to a woman, and then he stops and comes out from under the sheet and takes a piece of salami from the nightstand. <laughs> I've had George Costanza all wrong all this time. It's great. It's really good. Michael, you've been watching a bunch of stuff, and I, I think our audience is, is interested because some of these movies just came out or just hit streaming, and, and Fair Play is one of those we wondered about if it would play yeah. big on Netflix. It's number one, like in their top tens, correct? So. How did it play I with you? I get it. I get why there's an... I mean, it's an erotic thriller, and it's a fun erotic thriller for, like, 90% of the movie, which isn't to say it's, you know, a great film or anything, but it's it's like if Hallmark wanted to do an erotic thriller, is how I... T- and then <laughs> it just takes this ridiculously hard left-hand turn and tonal shift at the end wow. that just... I mean, you saw it, right? You know what yeah, I'm referring to. I know yeah. we talked about it in the pre-production, but, like... It's so unnecessary, and it changes the entire attitude of how you feel about, like, some of the characters. I I didn't like it at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of there with you. I I, I, I like the first half much more than the second, and, and the end was wonky. It didn't yeah. make sense to me. Yeah, uh, you also I... watched Reptile, and unfortunately, I gave this a solid review. It, it exceeded my expectations. Yeah, I'm glad it did for you. I just didn't give a shit about any of the players. Mm. I mean, it was so painfully obvious to me that they were winking at one character the entire time. They're like, oh, so he's, it's just, he, he, they're bad. This is a bad person. Okay. However, do you, you don't th- get, yeah, you don't get the, yeah. You don't get the resolution. Really. But you do. You do, you don't. You do. Like, like, you do. <laughs> right? I don't know. I'm generally. Golf I don't course, know. no, you don't think? I don't know. Like I'll tell you what was the best part of this for me was Alicia Silverstone and seeing her play like this overly serious character yes. who's like this devoted wife to the detective. That was really cool and, and shows her range and it's not a, a role in which we're used to seeing her and it let her kind of spread her dramatic wings and her thriller wings and she was really, really good in it. I was I was impressed by her. I like Benicio Del Toro too and Justin Timberlake uh, is also in this. <laughs> <laughs> does does Justin Timberlake being in this do anything for your NSYNC reunion tour? I, I'll theories? tell you what it does. Not directly, but between Timberlake and the timing of this with the NSYNC reunion and Trolls all coming out and them being on the VMA stage, uh, Taylor Swift showing up at all these NFL games and the NFL coercing ESPN, Fox, and CBS to show promos for her movie for free. Mm. As like a thank you for showing, like there have been some major, major moves done by some PR teams and management teams for megastars this year. That like that in and of itself should be an Oscars category, I think. <laughs> well, maybe an Emmys category, but 
we don't. A Mike, Mike, and Oscars category. A Mike, Mike, and Oscars <laughs> category. There we go. All right. So you saw two other films, The Boogeyman, and then the I'll Boogeyman's say The Boogeyman's a nice idea, and it's it's well done, but I just the story just kind of falls flat. It turns into a, a monster movie more than it turns into like this supernatural thriller, which I wasn't expecting, and when it happens, it kind of undoes the entire mystery of the film for me. Yeah, I think two friends of MMO are in that. You got Chris Messina and you got the uh, the actor Dave from Malkian. Yeah, yeah, but you also have uh, the Yellow Jackets star. She's I love her, um, the youngster. Oh, oh, oh! I wasn't even thinking of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought she did a good job. I want to say that's oh boy, Sophie Thatcher. We nailed yeah. it at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, so if he's at the beginning of this episode, and now we're at the end, and we can't think of anything. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the, I mean, the acting's good. It's, again, it's a well done. I'm so tired. I feel like I have the same review for, like, 90% of horror new horror movies. Mm. It's a good idea. It's just the these these are great premises Bad with execution. rough landings. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say the same thing about a couple movies, too. Like, Cobweb, to me influencer brooklyn four or five i'm kind of in the same boat there with those oh you saw influencer i was gonna watch that but i went to boogeyman instead anyway let's end with on a positive note bottoms you liked bottoms bottoms was great (laughs) bottoms was absurd and stupid and really (laughs) funny and i had like two or three hard Mm -hmm. laugh out loud scenes it's like a solid b all day for me 85 right there I what I don't you were afraid I wouldn't like this movie. What were you afraid of? A lot of people that we love in the space hated the movie. They thought it was unfunny. Like they didn't get it, they didn't like it. They you know, so that's where I'm at. Like bottoms I like I I don't know. I it, I I have a kooky sense of humor, so I worried that I was in the minority here. But I, I, I loved it. I've watched it 3 times now. I've laughed my ass off every time. Oh wow, good. I, I yeah, I mean, it, it is. Again. It is very. You know what it reminded me of? It's mm. like the faculty. If if instead <laughs> of aliens, it was like toxic masculinity. <laughs> you, yeah, you walk into a classroom and they have a football player in a cage. It's fucking hysterical. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> a giant life size cage. It's like there's this scene where they're. Begging with the cheerleaders to make out, and so Rachel Senna takes it upon herself to start making out with another female character, and the PA announcer, at all, like, after 30 seconds of this, can everyone stop watching the girls make out? Yeah. It's like, it just, it's just stupid humor. The, announce, the announcer was evil and hilarious. <laughs> Get horny! This high school kids! Jesus God! Yeah, no, it was absurd. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it is a, it is certainly a unique type of humor i can understand why it's, it's not a i mean it's not a are you and I, it's not a studio you know are you and i bad people for yucking it up as much as we did with bottoms no ao a- berry and rachel senna gave it their blessing <laughs> so no i'll be on their team any day of the week over 90 percent of anyone else's good all right so i'm glad we came together on this we could still we could still be comedy buddies we're not bros yet <laughs> Film bros. I'm, I've always been worried. Like, like, are we ever going to take a turn into Phil bro, film brodom? I, I mean, I, I also struggle with that. And there's, we definitely have. I mean, we did a whole series with Tarantino. Yeah, we did. You know? <laughs> so we're, we're there. I'm we sure can, we can go of. back and forth to the bros. Right. And we, could, we can make nice. Right. <laughs> we'll start our own fight club after school. If we do a Christopher Nolan rewatch, then we know. 
or a Fincher rewatch. We um, we kind of have which to. we kind of did already. Yeah. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> what matters most of all to us, as always, dear listener, your thoughts. We want to know uh, your thoughts on any of these films we reviewed on the box office this week. On anything, also, Mike ate this round for the New York Film Festival. Did you yourself go to the New York Film Festival and see anything that also Mike reviewed? What are your thoughts on those films? Uh, as always, you can leave us those as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. And if you listen to us on either the Apple Podcast or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so for us thus far. Uh, Michael, tell the good people what's coming next from us. And let's have some words of wisdom to end on. So I'm hoping this SAG after a strike, you know, wraps up. That would be great if we could do an episode on that before you go on vacation. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, we're we're going to have to bounce some ideas back and forth here. Uh, but you're going to go and enjoy life for once, I hope. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go back to New York next weekend, see Maestro in May, December, and I'll, I'll, I'll do some kind of episode wrapping up my New York Film Festival experience. Uh, i got to ask a guest uh, or two. But I, I have another guest book for earlier in the week. Uh, really excited for that episode on the box office, the fall box office, the Oscars box office. I think that's good timing with Killers on the Flower Moon coming killers of the flower moon uh, either along one. along with uh, the you taylor. don't know where the kills happen they might happen on the flower moon that's right but mm-hmm. taylor swift is just gonna blow up mm-hmm. america for the good amc's offering uh you know what do you call them the cups and popcorn, the popcorn yeah. and all that stuff yeah so the the, Commemorative, the swifties are gonna be out in force so it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be awesome to follow the the money in that regard that's what i look <laughs> forward to uh, and yeah, I mean, I think uh, when you come back, we got to review Killers of the Flower Moon and Anatomy of a Fall, so that'll be coming. And we mentioned a bunch of horror movies. We're boning up on the rest of the uh, the offerings since last Halloween for our next scary. So I mean, we got a lot to do this month. Uh, I think it's like the sixth or seventh. Is it the sixth annual scaries? I think six. Yeah, I think it's sixth. That's exciting. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah, it's it's and it's been it, good horror offerings this year, son. It's it's been solid. It's been solid. I don't think we've gotten the the heights of last year or a couple of years, but we've gotten a lot of solid movies. What was last year? What was the big horror movie last year? Oh, you put Halloween me... ends. Oh, come on, you put me in a rough spot here. I don't remember. I don't have my doc open. Well, you brought it up. You said it's it's not compared. So I thought you had it on your well, mind. Well, we've had big movies. Get out. We've had mm-hmm. big horror movies in the past, yeah. like best Get movies out. of the year: Midsommar and Hereditary. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. You know. But I, do, do, do I, I don't remember what I ate last week. No, I do remember what I <laughs> yes, ate. You do. But I don't you have a ta- You have a ledger of it. <laughs> <laughs> you have multiple episodes dedicated to it. I've seen 11 movies in three days. My my brain is just blank. I, that, I don't know how you do. I, I, would I watched three last night. I would absolutely be the old man walking out of the theater if that was me. I may go to Saw X tonight and come home, come home and watch another horror movie. I'll tell you what. If you're trying not to eat. <laughs> I need to go on a diet, so maybe that's what I got to do. Go to Saw X. Forever dieting. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come forever diet with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make awards season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. I forgot to do words of wisdom. Hydrate. Hydrate I thought, would be... Oh, all right. I yeah. thought you were... I thought they were oh, in there. Saw X to diet, yeah, and, and then right. hydrate, hydrate. My fault. There you go. That's right. See ya.